It's uh, always important to stay on the pulse, isn't it? Kang Jae-un, for the first time on this morning, but a familiar voice to TBS EFM generally. (laughs) Good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. Thanks for uh, coming in today to take us through some of the major stories this week. So we have actually had a lot twist and turn on the North Korea front. We had, for example, yesterday afternoons, missile or projectile launches. Uh, We then had before that the deep condolences sent by Chairman Kim Jong-un to President Moon Jae-in after the death of his mother. But before that, Mm -hmm. we had this uh, whole story around Mount Kumgang and and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un had ordered uh, certain South Korean facilities to be removed and rebuilt and South Korea has been seeking talks with North Korea. North Korea has not wanted to have talks on it. (laughs) It's all rather complex. Yes, it's uh, very complex and also complex regarding all the shabby facilities and yeah. uh, buildings in the Kumgang Resort and in North Korea. Yeah, because that was an insult to both South Korea and to North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's father, yes. his predecessor, who allowed those shabby facilities to be built. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. So, And according to the photos that were released by the Unification Ministry, uh, the facilities that were built in Man Kumgang Resort, uh, they actually did show to be a little bit shabby with moldy walls, rusty structures, as Kim Jong-un also used the word shabby to yeah. describe them. <laughs> I guess, I guess um, anything's going to become shabby over time, but his implication also was... was that uh, that South Korea shouldn't have been allowed to build them in the first place, which was the kind of criticism of his father. Just to clarify. (laughs) Another criticism was that it was left abandoned for the past decade, for about 10 years. Um, So the firmware tour operator at the mountain resort, uh, Hyundai Asan, they built, they were the one who built many of the facilities. And um, according to news report, at the time of the construction, uh, you know, since it was really costly to transport all the materials and whatnot, they admit that the facilities were actually built in a rush to open the resort. And also they used the very n- not durable ma- materials to build them as well. So uh, when the Hyundai Asan team visited the resort in August last year to prepare for the reunion of separated families, it had already decided that the facilities actually needed an overall renovation. Mm. And the government also had similar talks on this issue. Uh, Seoul's unification minister, Kim y o n c h a has also said that the facilities were quite worn out as they were not managed in the past 10 years. A massive amount of money has been invested into this resort by companies and, and the government, though. Yes, uh, in various different parties, uh, the numbers are pretty big, a couple million won, a hundred billion won, etc., etc. So uh, these facilities and buildings, including hotels and golf courses, they were constructed by the South Korean government and companies. So uh, to break down the numbers a little by little, Korea Tourism Organization and other companies, they were uh, told to have invested a total of 372 billion won, especially Hyundai Asan, the company that we've been constantly talking today, owns a 50-year license for its operation, and they actually invested a whopping 800 billion won in the project. 
In addition to that, there were also investments from the Korean government, a nearly 60 billion won for the facilities for reunion of separated families, tourism road, and firehouse. Uh, So uh, to kind of give a little uh, background information about the uh, facilities for reunion, uh, the tour program was launched in 1998 as a major inter-Korean cooperative project, but it was suspended in 2008 after a South Korean tourist was shot dead uh, by a North Korean guard. However, President Moon Jae-in and Kim Jong-un agreed in September last year to resume the tour program and the Kaesong Industrial Complex Mm. as soon as uh, the conditions are met. But uh, the two projects have remained stalled as, you know, we've been seeing some ups and downs in the relationship between North Korea and South Korea. Yes. And that's where we get to yesterday afternoon's developments. It's weird, by the way, that it was an afternoon launch. Almost all of North Korea's provocations and missile tests and that sort of thing come in the early hours of the morning. Um, But um, let's also talk about it being a year since South Korea's Supreme Court ordered Japanese firms to compensate South Korean victims of forced labour during its colonial rule in the early to mid-20th century. But no progress has been made and now NGOs are taking action. Yes, so last Wednesday actually was the one-year anniversary after the Korean Supreme Court ruled uh, Japanese steelmaker Nippon Steel and Sumitomo Metal Corp to compensate for the victims of forced labor during the Japanese colonial rule. Uh, So this is around 1910 to 1945. However, um, as we've been constantly seeing in the news that the Japanese government uh, and these two firms have yet to take any action to address the court ruling. Uh, Since Uh, Japan still stands very firm to their stance that all matters were settled by the 1965 treaty aimed at normalizing relations between the two countries. So as you mentioned earlier, this week on Wednesday on the 29th, lawyers for a democratic society or referred in Korea as Minbyon held a press conference in Seocho-dong, Seoul. Uh, They announced that this group, uh, the lawyer group, have submitted a petition not to the Korean government, but actually to the United Nations, asking to intervene in the resolution process. And this is actually the first time an appeal on the forced labor issue has been filed to an international intergovernmental body. And also lawyer Kim Ginam of the lawyer group said that the petition will induce UN's direct intervention in resolving the issues with Japan. And, and the NGO plans to stage additional action? Yes, uh, exactly. They're actually planning to collect about a million signatures to bring the case to not only the United Nations but to the International Labor Organization and this is uh, the purpose is to mainly sue the Japanese government and companies on a international level and the group emphasized that it will still stay strong until Japan appropriately compensates to the victims for their suffering and also urge the government to actively respond do alike uh, as they're doing to Japan. Yeah, so speaking of this press conference, which you said happened on Wednesday, which was the one-year anniversary since this this court ruling, uh, can you tell us more with two victims actually present there? 
Uh, yes, uh, there were two victims uh, present there, Lee Chun-sik and Yang Geum-dog, uh, and they were expressing their anger towards uh, this whole case. So Yang expressed her anger describing her memories of uh, the Japanese to have treated, quote-unquote, uh, Koreans like animals, and she urged Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe to apologize to the victims as soon as possible. Uh, but apart from these two uh, victims, 82 more have also f i l e lawsuits uh, with South Korean courts against Japanese companies after the Supreme Court's ruling, also seeking for compensation. And this lawsuit will apply to 11 Japanese firms. And apart from that, more lawsuits involving victims and their families are planned as well. Moreover, we have the Justice Ministry sparking yet further controversy. This term over media control, it has been announced this week that it will restrict reporters' entry to the prosecution office for false reports. Sure. So on Wednesday, uh, Justice Ministry announced that it will, quote-unquote, limit entry to the prosecution office for reporters who've made false reports and has sparked a controversy among media outlets. So according to prosecution's um, decisions, uh, we may not be able to see the eyes of um, Yang Sung-tae or the, the left-out Prada shoes of c h e s u n s i r that we used to see early on. Right. <laughs> so this comes as actually part of prosecution reform measures to better protect the human rights of the suspects. So in particular, uh, the regulation to prohibit the publication of criminal proceedings against the suspect before an indictment uh, is at the center of which will kickstart next month. So the key point here is that all the cases and allegations will not be publicized. Uh, All the filming of suspects before questioning or being arrested will be restricted to the press. Isn't this rather an excessive expression of control over media outlets, violating even freedom of speech? And yes, that is the main criticism that's coming from the media industry, um, that it is an over-control of media outlets. Also, that concern of um, the prosecution body to determine what actually qualifies as a misreport, or um, that very vague definition of what it actually means to be a defamation or a violation of one's privacy. Um, And the other criticism is that this regulation was not included in the initial draft released to media outlets. However, uh, according to this, uh, in regards to this criticism, the prosecution argued that uh, such guidelines already exist in its rules for public information on investigation. Uh, Meanwhile, the Justice Ministry said that it has consulted the matter with various parties concerned, which is also a part of criticism because the Korean Bar Association actually denied this claim yesterday, saying that they haven't discussed this matter with the prosecution body at all. And also in response to the criticism, the prosecution actually backtracked their original announcement yesterday, saying that, quote-unquote, this is just a discretionary measure and this this is not mandatory, and the prosecution will only limit entry when a major misreport is apparent, and the decision will be made by the head of each prosecution office. And the criteria in terms of um, depending, uh, in determining which is an important misreport will be made through a consultation between uh, different parties involved. And according to the Minister of Justice, uh, the regulation will take into effect starting on December 1st. However, uh, there still is a heavy criticism 
from the media as the Journalists Association of Korea and the National Union of Media Workers, they announced a public statement heavily criticizing the prosecution for excessive media control. And let's finish with uh, an area of safety that many of us will want to know checks out. After a series of parts failures in aircraft, the government will carry out emergency safety checks. And that starts from today. Sure. Uh, so the, the transport ministry, they held an emergency meeting with management and engineers from the nine local airliners on Wednesday and discussed ways to improve aviation safety. So this comes after a Jeju airplane made an emergency return to its departure point uh, due to defects in its autopilot system. Now, there were some other similar incidents recently. So last Friday, there was a valve problem in a Korean airplane um, and also on a October 18th, an engine of an Asian airline aircraft caught fire during testing. So starting from today, aviation inspectors will conduct a comprehensive safety checks on two full services and seven low-cost carriers until uh, next month. Uh, They will first check emergency response training for pilots, uh, maintenance of aircrafts, and operational control. And they also check on how well airliners are following safety management procedures and look into communication protocols between pilots and flight attendants in emergencies. Right. Well, thank you very much, Hang well, Jae-un. Thank you, Alex. Um, speaking of aviation issues, search operations for the crashed helicopter near the Dokdo Islets are underway. Unfortunately, we're seeing little progress made so far. The exact crash site's not been identified for sure yet, but divers have been added into the sea from 8.30 this morning. We've been getting information from a briefing. The military is providing underwater search tools as well. The helicopter have been carrying seven people, including two emergency patients, when it crashed into waters near the islets last night.